this this beer's darker than I thought. Um, yeah, it's kind of that uh, that I don't know. It's almost like a bourbon color, maybe even darker than that. We're not doing bourbon ales. Yeah, again. my goodness. Now we're uh, gonna take yeah. a break on that stuff. What are we drinking today? Why don't you tell the uh, tell the folks? This is this is Stone's Lucky Bastard IPA. Yes, it sure is. Um, I have I, I had this before actually. I went to a a bottle shop and they were pouring some there and giving out samples. So I think yeah, samples already paid for it. I don't know. I, um, I don't know. Is a sample something you pay for? No, definitely not. Um, I actually, they had this on tap down at the at the pub, the local pub last week, and Alice, my wife, had tried it for the first time and proclaimed it her favorite beer. So, really, yeah, yeah, that's she's come a long way. Yeah, I know, <laughs> from the light pilsners to the lucky bastard which yeah. is like when we t- finally taste this it is just like getting punched in the face by so, bitter hops so a, a couple points of of note yes lucky is spelled l-u-k-c-y yep. um go to their go to their site and bastard we'll link is it. spelled b-a-s-a-r-t-d yeah yeah go to their site we'll link it they have a really funny like rundown of the beer where everything's misspelled yep um Pretty, which is which is probably how we'll be spelling the show notes uh, by the (laughs) the end end of this thing because it's a. It's not too bad. It's eight and a half percent. Eight and a half, but it's this is a big. This is a twenty-two ounce bottle, right? So, yeah. So, yeah, that's that means business. Um, I think this is one of their their arrogant bastard type things, right? I just don't know yeah. why. Uh, did they do they explain why this is different than Arrogant Bastard? I don't. Rec- I don't recall. I, I thought it was actually like a either a blend or something like it was, that. It I, says a dry hopped tribute to yeah. ba- Arrogant Bastard. So, so they don't tell you the hops in it, but I mean, almost everything Stone does is a very it's, <laughs> variation on Arrogant Bastard. Yes, is it? it's it's a variation on a <laughs> beer with their line. Yeah, a variation on a beer with a crap ton of hops in it. Um, yeah, yeah, but I mean Stone. You, you almost can't go wrong with a stone no, beer. No, stone, stone beers are... I don't know that I've had a bad stone beer. Um, even yeah. their plain stone IPA. Uh, somebody brought it for a um, Halloween party at our house, and it went... Like, it was what everybody reached for. I luckily got one of them, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it was really, really good. It was smooth, but bitter, like very bitter. Um, yeah. But, you know, no complaints. Like, just a a good American IPA. Well, it goes back to what, maybe 15 years ago when uh, IPAs, like strong IPAs, were just super bitter. They didn't have a lot of floral character, or as much as what what I think you come to expect now in like a double IPA. But they're really bitter, so they you know threw in a ton of hops at the beginning of the boil and just boiled the hell out of them right. until it was all isomerized and super bitter and. Uh, that's, that's what I think of when I think of stone beers is like, they really have that like uh, astringent bitterness to yes. them. Yeah, correct. Like one that, that it lingers, but is not objectionable. And, and not, I would say not a lot of sweetness. No, correct. Like it, it's, it's definitely right up front that it's bitter. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like this and it's a, long, sweet finish that then, then transitions into like bitterness. And I don't know what the age is on this bottle that you sent me. Um, or maybe I found it somewhere here. Um, 
but it, it is uh, it's not a lot of nose to it. it. Doesn't smell real hoppy. I think this is a, this is a 2014. Okay, um, it does say in Tap Cellar actually. Uh, it is a blend of the three bastards: arrogant bastard, double bastard, and oaked arrogant bastard. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I thought it was a blend. Yeah, it's, it's mix. A- excellent. So let's, I'm gonna try it right now. Boy, that's bitter. It's good though, almost perfumed. Really com- complex. Yeah, there's a lot I mean, going on here. Taste a little bit of the oak in it, um, which I like oaked arrogant bastard, but it's still not my favorite like oaked beer. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's not. It does not a heavily oaked flavor to it. it it's mm. it's just a fairly undertone to it. I actually had that. Uh, our mutual friend Ken told me about. Um, a place called Rattle and Hum in New York City. And I went there and they had just had a stone uh, tap takeover. And so they had a bunch of stone stuff still on tap. And one of them was the oaked uh, arrogant bastard. And I had that and it was, whew, man, it was good. On tap, it's fantastic. I've noticed stone doing a lot more PR push. Though. Yeah, I've noticed. Well, I guess part of it is They're that we're seeing it more because now they are on the East Coast. So because they're, they're opening that. Yeah, yeah, that thing down in was it North Carolina, maybe? Yeah, but I see a lot more like marketing material, and the reason I had it at the bottle shop was because they had a representative. Oh, there, really? Like you know, talking about stone beer and everything. Mm. So, um, and of course, I bought the bottles. Yeah. So <laughs> these worked. were just for context. Uh, we should probably throw this in when we when we talk about these beers. But this beer is nine fifty a bottle, nine dollars and fifty cents so for, for a twenty two ounce bottle. Because I think. Um, a couple people commented to me like they were very surprised at how expensive some of the yeah. uh, bourbon barrel beers that we talked about were. Yep. Um, and we didn't. I don't think we really mentioned the the price point on those. But um. Well. So nine fifty for a twenty two <laughs> ounce bottle is seems steep. Except I I was just uh, just on a trip and got a pint of a pilsner served to me in basically a water glass. <laughs> um. <laughs> And it was seven bucks. Yeah, I so, know. It's it's you know it's, it's what people context. are used to. You know, like if you're used to spending, you know, if you're used to getting Pabst Blue Ribbon and it's you know four dollars a six pack or something, this is going to be a different strata that you don't even want to deal with. But, um, you know, it, like you said, you can go out and get a really crummy beer. You go to a baseball game, you're spending nine fifty for Coors Light. And yeah. it's no lucky bastard, that's for sure. Although, people can make the the argument, which is fair, is you're you're paying that premium because you're at the venue that you're at, and and you wouldn't seek out that beer for correct. No, for I that mean that's price. totally correct. But I no. but I do think like there's this this kind of equivalency that people draw, saying, well, I I you know that's that's more than I'm willing to pay, and that's fair. Um, but it does it is expensive to brew beers that are this big oak aging. We talked about that in the bourbon County show is not easy to do. Well, we were just, just looking at the recipe for a clone of Hetty top. Yeah. And just buying the ingredients for that is almost 60 bucks yep. because it's just a ridiculous amount of hops. Yep. The hops and, and the grain bill, grain every, the yeast and everything. Yep. It's just like, it's super pricey to, to brew that beer. Yep. Um, I'm betting this is not a cheap beer to brew. No, I mean, especially because they're using three. One of the beers that they're they're blending is oak-aged, which is always expensive. And they have tons of hops in their beer, <laughs> which is not cheap to come by. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I realize it's not something that um, 
I mean, it's definitely a luxury in some ways. Like I wouldn't, I don't have to drink beer that's this good, but it's gotten to the point where I would either drink beer that's good or no beer. You know what I mean? Like I'm not just going to drink a oh, crappy yeah. beer. Yeah. No, I rarely, what is it? So when I got that Pilsner, it actually was a pretty decent Pilsner. Um, it was from a, just a little, I would call them like a podunk brewery moat, which is like a New Hampshire. It's a M-O-A-T. Mm-hmm. It's just a little like a tourist area brew pub. And they brew some beer. And it, it wasn't bad, um, the Pilsner. But it's not what I would put into like the top of my Pilsner <laughs> list. Like I would, I would never seek it out again. But, but it wasn't bad. What, the, what they wanted to serve me was this awful shandy stuff and i I seriously like three different people from the staff at this uh hotel that i was at recommended this terrible shandy and and they even (laughs) brought me a little taster because i was like no no i'm just gonna say no and finally they're like no 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 try it and they give me this taste and i'm like yeah it's terrible it tastes like (laughs) grapefruit soda mixed with a crummy beer what is the shandy usually maybe we should explain that uh a shandy is usually like an orange soda i mean it's started off. I think it's a. It was a German thing, and um, a lot of times people that were on like long bike rides and stuff like that will stop and have. A, it's basically beer with half soda, soda pop. Like that's because it reduces the alcohol content, uh, so yep. you can have a nice, a nice kind of semi-refreshing drink that has a bunch of sugar in it and grain, and and then. You know, I'd, it's I'd, not going to get. I definitely get you drunk. would want that in the winter, though. Um, yeah, what do they call in Germany? It's not a shandy in Germany, and I think shandy comes from from England. England Germany. Yeah. It's um. See, shandies I've seen uh, referred to half cider, half lager. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So I think it just depends. It's probably like a local, you know, flavor type thing, depending on how they define it. Um, but yeah, it generally this, just means cut with something, <laughs> a beer cut with something else. There we go. Well, they're saying shandy is is actually the German version on Wikipedia, but I still don't think that's interesting. That's correct that it was called a shandy. Um, when I, when I at least when I was there, I don't know. But it's like half Pilsner, half lemon soda. Radler. There you there go. There you go. Okay, that that's that sounds familiar. Yeah. R a d l e r, and they were actually. Pretty decent in Germany. <laughs> yeah, we talked a little bit about. Surprise, um, surprise. We talked a little bit about mixing beers with stuff. Um, one of the ones um, that I've always liked, but in a kind of like a hide in the corner so nobody sees me drinking it kind of way is uh, a Hefeweizen mixed with a framboise, the lambic. Mm, yeah. Man, that's good. Um, yeah, it, it's, sounds delicious. it's like this kind of the lemoniness of the. Uh, of the Hefeweizen mixed with that really yeah. nice raspberry. But, um, I had to give that a shot during the summer. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, they call it a, well, it depends on where you get it, but they call it a, a dirty whore, actually, the place where I've gotten it. Mm. I don't know why they call it that. There's, I think it's, it's dirty, and then depending on what they mix it with, they, they call it different things. So um, so what, what do you think? Um, you know, We're talking about I want this... I'm not going to get something crummy just because I want it. I want something. I'm only going to buy the good versions of things and how that translates. Snobby? Yeah. You mean snobby? It can be snobby. <laughs> it can be seen as snobby, certainly. I think that's something yeah. that that um, I think has kept me from feeling like that's something I want to do. But 
I'd say over the last couple of years, I've made a really concerted effort to look at the quality of things I buy and buy fewer things, but better things. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, so we, we talked about doing the show on like, you know, our everyday carry kind of thing, yep. uh, stuff we carry around. And <laughs> what did I say? I don't know. I'm kind of, uh, it was, a <laughs> oh, the, oh, you mean the fetish- fetishization of the inanimate. Yes. yes. Fetishization of the inanimate. That is a mouthful. Um, I wasn't yeah. going to attempt to say that. Um, but now, <laughs> well, I attempted and failed. Yeah. I'm much better with a keyboard than I am with my mouth. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's what she said. I, yeah, I do think that that's a phenomenon. It's something I thought I've thought about for a long time because we have this weird dichotomy, and I don't know if they're related or not. But the the other end of it is like the Walmartization of everything. Yeah, which we talked about last week. Yeah, the everything becomes so incredibly. Um, throw away cheap. yeah because we just assume we'll use it up and then get a replacement yeah, disposable yeah. it's uh, and and it's really um y- you know and i we talked we touched on things related to this last week which is you know um not wanting to create extra waste and not wanting to buy things that are terrible <laughs> or shop at places that sell things that are terrible but it is a it's a definitely a mind shift because um, I was thinking in preparation, <laughs> preparing for a show, believe it or not, um, for for this, I think there's a difference. There, there's like a line you cross um, where you can afford things that are better. So you want to make sure you buy a better version of the thing that you want to get. So you can look at anything from... Uh, folding knives to flashlights to all of the things that are considered uh, in this kind of EDC category or everyday carry category. But it, it extends out to everything from box fans, like just simple commodities that you, you know, are you going to buy the one that's $9 or are you going to buy the one that's better that may last longer uh, for $40 or something like that? And it's I want to be. Con- it's, it's funny. It's funny that you say there's a line. I, I don't think there's a line. I think it's a continuum because. I guess there's a there's, line you cross yourself mentally to say I. Oh, you know well, what I mean? yeah, you get you. <laughs> yeah, you're like, it, it's it. The value proposition has changed. You're like, yeah, I'm willing to sacrifice this other thing for you know for this more expensive pen. Yes. Or knife or whatever, um, because you know most people have a limited pool of money mm-hmm. right. <laughs> to distribute among the things that they like. But even the category of a pen, um, some people will say $20 is a pretty good price point. Others will say like, I'll spend up to $300. And then there's <laughs> pens that literally will sell for tens of thousands of dollars. Correct. Right. Yeah. So those are different groups of people that have valued that those things at, at different points. Um, I guess, I think there is this like mental model of what we put value on that's kind of weird. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> that's what intrigues me about this topic. Like, um, and I, I think personally, I've fluctuated back and forth across with various things. Like, I used to really be into pins, mm-hmm. trying to find really like collectible or amazing pins and hoard them or whatever I was doing. Um, fe- fetishizing, yeah. <laughs> fetishizing, <laughs> writing them. implement. Yeah. 
Um, and then decided like, I kind of just want a pen that works good enough and consistently enough and that I will actually write with. But I also got to the point where I either damaged or lost like good. Yeah. Pens. I think that's the other thing that, so, so it does come down to category, but I think pen is one of those, like, I think my limit now on pens is I have a Lamy Safari fountain pen, which I just got to try out a fountain pen. And it's like $26. It wasn't a lot yeah. of money. Um, and then the Fisher Space Pen, which you sent me one of, and I've already lost uh, a black Field Notes one, which I just got a replacement for for Christmas present, um, just so I have an extra. But I think that's the limit because they do tend to go missing. I carry them with me everywhere. Um, I don't want to clip them to a pocket because that is really nerdy. So I just keep them floating around in my pocket. And sometimes with slacks, you just lose them and losing $30 pen is a bummer, but it's not like if I lost or, a, or dropping a fountain pen, oh my God, yeah. I, mean, I have a, I have a Meisterstück still. I never take it out because I did actually damage the nib one time and took it in to have it repaired. And, da, da, da. Yeah. and, and at that point I was like, what am I doing with a pen that is like so costly and, that I'm and fragile worried about using yeah. it. Whereas like the space pen, the whole reason I got the space pen and the like, you know, use it on a daily basis is because it fits the wallet I have. It oh yeah, you know, slides right into the little piece and it works. And honestly, if I lost it, I could order another yeah. one. And that's what off I did. Amazon and get it the next exactly. day. Exactly. So I did that, and I actually am going to have one on standby in case something happens. And I, and I want to treat them, even though it's they're not what I would consider cheap. They're certainly they're really good. They're highly dependable. They're really small. They're like maybe four inches long when they're you know with with the cap on, and um. They fit in my pocket easily. They don't stab me. You know, it's fantastic. Um, now, folding knives, uh, something... <laughs> speaking of stabbing. Speaking of stabbing. Folding knives, I actually had a conversation <laughs> with some folks the other day about folding knives because um, we're in a Slack... I'm a Slack channel. Uh, Nick, Nick uh, Wanya and uh, a few other folks who are in there are into the whole idea of EDC things. And um, something came up when they were talking about knives we should probably like explain what EDC oh, yeah. means for the rest of the normal people that yes, actually normal don't people use who, acronyms exactly. to talk about things in your pockets. It is everyday carry things that you put in your pocket or on your belt or you know in a backpack or something that you carry well, we with you every just day. Call your stuff. Your stuff. Yeah. Now, now we call it your everyday carry. Yeah, I don't know where that oh. came from. I just saw it on some website and started falling down this rabbit hole of like, oh my god, what is what have I yeah. found? Because um, guys usually get offended if you ask them what's in their merch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So or, is that a Fisher pen in your pocket? Are you happy to see me? Yeah. Um, so so uh, it's interesting. The guy who we bought this house from uh, was a real kind of fix-it guy. And he had a knife on his in his pocket, strapped, you know, kind of clipped to his pocket. And he would. I was like, what do you carry that thing around for? I thought it was really weird. Um, and he's like, oh, I use this thing all the time. Um, and throughout the course of showing me things around the house, he actually did end up using it to, um, you know, to cut a bag of pellets. Killed a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, to cut a bag of pellets open and show me how the pellet stove worked and to pry open a, a stuck window that had gotten painted shut while they were getting ready to sell the house and stuff like that. And it got me thinking. So I actually ended up buying a really cheap uh, Gerber knife. It was like $10 or something like that. And I figure, well, mm -hmm. this is cheap. And if I end up not using it, it's only 10 bucks, you know? Yeah. And then I guess over the course of a month, 
I used it so often just doing little things around the house uh, that I ended up buying a better knife and then a better one to upgrade to that, you know, and then I ended up selling one of the ones that I wasn't using as much and buying another one. Before you know it, I'm carrying around uh, a knife called a Strider. A <laughs> you know? Now, it's always one knife, but um, okay. it's, it's, a, it's a Strider and it's, it's like $450. Um, $450. See, but that's the reaction. Wow. But, uh, you know, it's something that um, it's the when you it's like this with everything. Is this the one that you looked over and your significant other was using it to pry open? <laughs> yes. <a can> of- <laughs> yeah. And you were kind of like freaking out a little yeah, bit. Over a little it? bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, but the interesting thing, interesting thing about these knives is one of the reasons why they're expensive is if they ever break for whatever reason, they just, they'll replace them. Like I saw, you know, a guy who uh, on a forums who had, it was like in Montana or something, and he um, his his truck broke down, and he had to use this his knife his Strider to pry some pipe away from like a tire or something like that, and he ended up snapping it in half. Um, and uh, he posted about it on this forum, and the guy who runs the company said, "Just send it in." We'll replace yeah. it, no questions asked. And the guy, you know, posted a couple. I, mean, craftsmen, I don't know if they're still like that, but I had uh, my grandfather used to go garage sailing just to buy craftsman stuff. Um, because you buy it at a garage sale, no matter how damaged it is, take it into Sears, they'd give you a brand new one. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah. I don't know if they're still doing that because it was abused. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> people would abused. I don't know. I mean, if that's the thing, what difference does it make if you bought it from a garage sale or not? Right, it was like object. this lifetime replacement guarantee for their tools right and i think that ties into this 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 uh conversation is because the things you're buying my mind transitioned away from well i'll get it and it's good enough for now to i don't want to have to replace this coat again i don't want to have to replace or i don't want to replace it anytime soon um the knife is the same thing you know almost like the, the backlash against it where it used to be you you know in the 1800s i think you bought a knife and just assumed that it would last forever. Yes, that's right? a good point. That, that was how, what a knife did, is it lasted forever, and you just used it and kept sharpening it. And then we've kind of moved into this new territory where thinking that you might have something for even a decade is really unusual. It's true. Like, um, hard to understand, uh, which, which is still kind of crazy when you think some of the stuff that we d- we expect not to have for for that long like a knife yeah right? like a knife exactly like there's not a whole lot of moving parts on this thing and we should assume it would last forever and in fact i this is the first knife that i've owned that i felt like this is something that's just gonna like this is never gonna die this thing because it's it's thick it's extremely well made it's built like a tank and i it's, it's funny you mentioned gerber because i have a like a strange relationship with gerber they were the f- it was it was a Gerber knife was the first knife that I like saved up to buy as a kid. It was like a, like a hardcore, huge, like a Rambo ish folding knife made with like this ballistic material that was indestructible. And I still have it. I bought it when I was 12. Oh my gosh. Um, and yes, I did save up money that I made from like working. Like I worked real jobs to save, to buy this knife. And, 
back then it was like Gerber was this top of the line. Like even I knew as a kid, like Gerber was a really good brand. Yep. And now I carry a Gerber knife because it is super cheap. <laughs> yep. And it's actually pretty well made, but it's cheap. Like I, uh, I carry what the Gerber Obsidian. I've never it's heard like that one. It's like 20 bucks on Amazon. Um, and I looked for basically a folding knife that was small that also had a bottle opener. And a screwdriver was a plus. There you go. Yeah, this is a Strider SMF. That is what this is called. And it's funny because you... So in conversations with folks, you, you find this stratification of somebody who's like, yeah, I'll spend 30 bucks on a knife. But when you say this knife costs $450, they'll lose their minds to people who are like, oh, yeah, that's just what they cost. Like, yeah, mine, I have a Sebenza and it's, you know, it's a small Sebenza and it's $375 and that's just what they cost. Um, and they know what comes along with that cost and guarantee, right? Um, there are people who buy custom knives that are like, same with your pens. They're in the tens of thousands of dollars. Like, I'm not into that. But this is, to me, is a very practical, expensive, but practical thing. Just like my, I have a Patagonia winter coat. Um, it'll last forever. Um, and it's really good and it's really warm. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, that's, that, that's how what, it, what kind of stuff do you put into that category? Do you like, if you go out to buy like a, a new corkscrew, does it have to be one that lasts forever that you're willing to pay? hundreds of dollars for or um right because that gets to the value proposition yeah i think that comes down to what i um what i plan on see what i see myself doing 20 years from now to me i'm not a wine guy but if wine was my thing i would want to have a good corkscrew to open the wine um i have a good uh, bottle opener um i have this atwood at wrench keychain thing. It's like a mm-hmm. keychain tool that has like a screwdriver and another fetishized another fetish inanimate I, object. Exactly. Right? Like the, the Atwood tools are even I have like a an alert set up for the Atwood RSS <laughs> Do you really? stuff comes out like to see what it is because it it sells instantly. Yep. Like he sells out of whatever he makes. He's a where where is he at? A main something like yeah. that. He he makes hand makes these metal objects that are Interesting looking. Yeah, they're interesting. Usually with a nice finish, but also extremely practical, like as bottle openers and stuff like that. Um, but really high end stuff. It's not cheap. Um, yeah, mine is. He has a huge fan base. Yeah, and and there are collectors. So there are people who just buy his stuff. Sort of like our beer collecting conversation. Like, would you buy stuff just to pass it on, or do you buy it to enjoy it? I bought this thing and I use it it's on my keychain every day and I carry it around. I wouldn't think about, you know, putting this in a collection or whatever, or, or, or I don't think I would go around collecting Atwood things. Like once I got one and I had all the things I wanted on it, I'm not, I'm not looking for those anymore. <laughs> yeah. See, so the reason I subscribe to the RSS feed is because I want one of his bottle openers because mm-hmm. his bottle openers are super nice and they're usually multifunction. Yeah, that's what this is. Like, device, right. Uh, bottle opener with screwdriver and bottle, all kinds of like interesting things yeah. on it. Um, so that kind of gets to the the everyday carry aspect. I fall into the category if it's something that I use a lot, even if I don't expect it to last a long time, I will usually try to enter that market at the higher end. Yes. Or, or what I perceive to be the higher end. I'm not going to spend thousands of dollars on a bottle opener. But I would probably spend 
you know, 30 bucks on a bottle opener, 50 bucks on a bottle opener that was really super functional that opened the bottle right every time without ever breaking off a piece of the bottle. Yeah, yeah. I, it's interesting because that it um, doing the exploration into the EDC stuff then ended up making me chase those types of purchases a lot more seriously. So um, flashlights were one of them. I needed a flashlight. Uh, we had uh, like one that you buy in like a in the checkout line of the Lowe's or something. It was, you know, like 37 cents from China. The ones that will work for a very short yes. period of time, and, but that you can replace like with almost no effort. Correct. Right? You can buy a new flashlight almost everywhere you go. So now. it's like you almost need to buy a couple just because you know that the first one you we might only work break. once, you know, or yeah, something like that. Not at all. Right. So I ended up getting uh, a flashlight to put on my keychain, and it's a small phoenix light and then i have one that's a little bit bigger that has adjustable intensities and whatever but it was like 52 bucks or something like that which is expensive as hell for a little flashlight uh at least so i thought until i started looking at flashlights <laughs> how many how many lumens is it uh i don't know offhand 90 120 okay. something like that so that's the new arms racing flashlight yes. like I'm, I'm kind of a like a flashlight guy too um, it started because I moved into a house that loses power several times. <laughs> That's why I have mine. And, and <laughs> so, so I went from being the guy that had like two cheapo Home Depot flashlights to the guy who knew where all of his flashlights were and had batteries for all of yes. them already ready to go. Yep. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> so, I think you sent me a link to one that you were looking at or bought recently, and I was yeah, like, "That I is." B- I bought the tr- the what is it? Through night? Was it? You have to find I it. I don't know. You have to find so, it. Yeah, through night uh, T10 for actually my, my wife. It's a little tiny 169 lumen flashlight. The key there was so twenty six, twenty seven dollars. Not terrible, Mm-mm. but it takes a double A battery. Yeah, that's what these. I, that's kind of like the uh, the the Phoenix LDO one that I use. It takes a triple A, and the one the slightly bigger one that I keep in my my bag that I carry around is a double A. And then I have a bigger one that I just bought for walking the dog, going on walks, like because now it's getting dark so early. Um, we walk up to the neighbor's house pretty often, and it's about a mile um, yep. next to the road. Like we have all these big kind of horse lanes, I guess you could call them, which is about uh, the fences are set back by about 30 feet from the road. So you have a large place to walk. So we walk down there all the time. But you need a flashlight. <laughs> um, so I ended up getting one of those, and it's two double A's. But they're incredibly yep. convenient. They last forever. Um, Whereas I, ha- I have, like, my flashlight is almost a 1,000 lumens. Oh, my God. Because it's what I use to go out into the back of the property when I need to do something at night or, like, when I'm working on a project or something in the dark. Um, but it takes these... <clears throat> Sorry, it takes this these CR one two three A lithium bat like they're these humongous cigar like batteries, but they they pack a huge punch. I guess. They're like three volts. They're lithium ion, but they're rechargeable, so I don't mind. So I have like oh, a three pack good. of those. I have a three pack next to the flashlight, <clears throat> but for me, like that was the most expensive flashlight I think I ever bought myself. Like I I remember when um. Oh, what are the giant? No, Maglite. Remember oh, Mag yeah, that Light was the big one. Yeah, became a thing, and like I was a security guard. Uh, what <laughs> at, at Medieval Times of all places? <laughs> I had no uh, idea. Yes, I was in, in high school. I was I was a a big guy. I was on like the football team, wrestling team, stupid stuff like that. And uh, 
So I was hired as a security guard at Medieval Times, and we carried these giant mag lights that held <laughs> just a ridiculous number of D-sized batteries. And, uh, and I remember when those came out, like, thinking, who would pay this much for a mag light? Because yeah. I knew they cost, like, $100 or something like that. And now you can go on Amazon right now, start looking through flashlights. You will hit the $100 mark. Within the first page of flashlights. Yep, you will. Um, the one, the other one I got was the LD. I think it's a twenty-two. It is uh, one hundred twenty-five lumens, so it's really tiny. It's the size of a AA battery, basically. Yeah. Um, and then the other one I have is a little bit longer, fits comfortably in your hand, and um, I actually use it all all the time. Going down to the basement to check the oil level, check the oil heater. Um, used it the other day when I had to give my kind of smarmy. Uh, see, I told you I used these when we were out and I had to check the tire pressure, <laughs> you know, uh, you had to prove that you yeah, used exactly. the thing. Yeah. Uh, and I was, you know, checking tire pressure in my tires cause it was dark out and the tire pressure light came on. And if I didn't have that, I, you know, it would have been a total pain and it, mm-hmm. having it always on my keychain is really useful. So I became very focused to my embarrassment, uh, is making sure they have a very effective, Efficiently curated keychain, I guess. You know, it's got the at the curated. What what else do you? I mean, like, dude, that sounds like an awesome website. Yeah, it does. Well, I'm sure, dude. I'm sure it's out there. If you fall into the the pit of EDC, that it's. uh, uh, We'll put some of these sites in the show notes. What's the what's the um, the abomination, which is the like the real huge EDC site. Is it just EDC.com or EDC.net or something like uh, that? There's a few. There's one called uh, Everyday Carry, which is yeah. a really good yeah. one, EverydayCarry.com. Uh, then there's one called Everyday Carry Blog. There's one called Secret Forts. And, it, and they're really pocket it's, philosophies. It's yes. It, it's pornography where people pretend that they carry stuff and then they lay it out in like <laughs> nice very, patterns. Very Rainman-like patterns. Um, in fact, I'll put a picture of my Rainman pattern in the show notes because of- it's it's lovely. Yeah, um, but it is something. But, I, it is something. I mean, this is you know, I have I have basically four things on my keychain. That's all I have on it. So it sounds like I'm carrying everything. Is one of them a key? Uh, actually, it's called a key smart, and it. It, I know what a key smart and, is. And it has three of my keys in it, so okay. it keeps them from jingling. All right, all right. So I can't make too much yeah. fun of it. It is actually a yeah. keychain. And then one's a little flashlight, one's the at wrench, and then my car key. That's it. Um, and so it sounds like I'm going crazy, but basically all that research was boiling things down to what do I actually use on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you got me started on Field Notes. So I carry a Field Notes book. I carry that keychain I just mentioned that has a, um, it's called a Night Eyes, N-I-T-E-I-Z-E, a locking carabiner. So I can attach it mm-hmm. to my bag or to my belt or belt loop or whatever. Um, I carry the Strider pocket knife and my iPhone and a Fisher pen. That's all I carry every day. So it's, okay. it's not a ton of stuff, but um, it's, oh, it is stuff I use all the time. Um, and then, you know, I'll often take my keys off and attach it to my bag or something. Or if I'm at work, obviously, I don't need all that stuff with me. So I just attach it to the bag um, and the knife. I guess I don't need a knife, carry around a knife at work. I work at an office. If I work someplace, it was. Mine clips into my pocket. Like I, I use the clip <laughs> on the edge of my pocket and it's always in my pocket. And actually, I have used it at work, to be honest. Well, I have a <laughs> really stupid thing. Yeah, like opening letters or whatever. Like I actually have a really small knife. I would 
I, that I can carry at the office if I need to. But I work with a guy that one day he had like run away from his desk, and I found out later what had happened was he was using his everyday carry knife to cut open an orange and cut through the orange into his hand, <laughs> and go to the had to go to the company oh, nurse. No. And, then he had to go get stitches. Oh my and, gosh! Uh, no, at that point, I was like, "Please don't ever let that be me." Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's proof that you shouldn't actually be carrying. Yeah, I'll say. On a basis. Yeah, I tend to carry like this strider. One of the things I like about it is um, there's a part of the knife called the choil, which is where your finger goes. Like when you're holding the knife, it's where your index finger goes. Um, and generally, there's a little hump or a guard there can, can you can you spell that c-h-o-i-l choil um and uh the thing i like about the strider is uh, when i was a kid um i my dad gave me a pocket knife and we were out in the woods one time and i was digging at the bark of a tree like a moron kid and then the blade snapped shut on my fingers because it was just like one of those. Yep. And um, that completely shaped how I treat pocket knives, that experience. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen. Um, yeah. So I only. Putting, putting a huge amount of force on a knife, yep. and then you change like the direction of the force. Yep. And if it's not a locking blade. It just. So, by the way, my Gerber has a locking blade because of that exact. Yep type of injury. Yeah, so I only get locking blades at this point. And so, so then you start researching different kinds of locks. Um, the Strider has. Um, kind of like a torsion bar on the uh, that that locks like it it's slightly bent so when the knife opens it snaps shut and yep. blocks the blade um yeah i have a knife like that and i i, I like that um it's a it's a pain yeah actually i got my my wife a, a knife to keep in her car because i'm neurotic <laughs> it's actually a knife that it's like a pretty big knife uh, folding okay and she, every time she uses it she's confused by how to close yeah. it yeah it's funny because you would think you think it's logical, but it's, I'm the same way. Like I hand somebody the knife and they pull it open because that's natural and you expect that. But then they look at it like you just – like you're showing a dog a card trick or something. That look on their face like they're just – like I don't know what's going on. I'm going to – after the show, I'm totally showing my dog a card trick. <laughs> they don't get it. Seen a card they trick. don't get it. Blow, just, blow mine. That's the – I'll jump to the conclusion. They don't understand it. And that's what people look at when they, they see the lock and they're just like, I don't know what's happening. And they just hand it back to me open and say, figure that out. But that's like the kind of safest lock mm-hmm. because it really takes a good amount of force to move it out of the way. Yep. And then it it's, has to be on purpose. Yes. And my Gerber lock is a thumbs like slider mm-hmm. on the side of the knife. You just slide it. It's really easy to lock and unlock. Yep. Same way here. Um, but that's part of the problem. It's really easy to unlock. Yeah. I, I um, And if you're wearing gloves and stuff, there's a chance that the fabric of the glove might push that lock open or something like that. So so the reason I like the strider is that the, the choil of the knife, your, your index finger goes in it. So if it does happen to snap shut, it actually is just going to be the choil closing on your <laughs> finger. Stop saying I love saying choil. Honestly, choil sounds like somebody found something dirtier than the choil. Choil. <laughs> sounds like the most disgusting part of the body. I'll call it the. Um, I don't need it's just the lock, but it's not the lock. It's the part of the. It's actually part of the blade that, if mm. it were to go closed, would just put pressure on your index finger. It wouldn't the blade would never get to your fingers this way? Yeah, yeah. It's nice. Anyway, so that's. Um, uh, I. I get excited about knives. Um, 
So there's a lot of sites that have sprung up about this stuff, and we'll put them in the show notes. There's one called uh, A Continuous Lean has some neat stuff. Everyday Carry has some good stuff. Um, Pocket Philosophies is a Tumblr, which is kind of like you're right. It's like the porn of like like really dramatic looking yeah, pictures. Yeah, usually of it's stuff. like a, a really well composed photo. Yes, a list. And I think those sites usually make their money by the like the list has affiliate links. Affiliate stuff, yeah, exactly. Which is fine, honestly. When I decided I wanted to get my wife a little flashlight for Christmas, um, like tiny, tiny flashlight. Uh, what did I do? I went on Amazon in one tab, and I went on one of the EDC sites in the other tab. And I looked through flashlights, right? And like, oh, that looks small. That looks good. That one uses the right size. Can I buy it? Yep. Can I buy a Prime? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how much? Does it use the right size batteries? You know, that kind of no, stuff. No, totally. That's exactly how I got started doing this. And then you kind of fall down the rabbit hole of there's different forums that you, you know, EDC forums is a, is a site that has a ton of great information and people who are into this stuff and will answer questions for you. The manufacturers are on them as well. Sometimes there's one called um, Usual Suspects, um, U, uh, USN which is one that I found via another podcast. Um, and it is, it's kind of, it's like a members only thing. So you have to apply and it takes a month to get in and you, you're what? on, pro, yeah, you're on, you know, like a probation type thing to make sure that you're not. What, why? What can you do? Is it, they just don't want spammers? Yeah, or? I think that's mostly it, but it's also direct um, connection to manufacturers, makers, like the guys who make the knives post there. And I'm sure they don't uh, really okay. get a lot of grief from people. So, you know, there's a strider presence and there's like 50 manufacturer forums that are manned by the people who work there. Um, That's the other thing I think you get from like moving to a new category, like price category or quality category, whatever you want to call it um, is like, you get this whole nother area of, support but also like recommendation and fans yeah like anything with a fan base around it is usually going to have much better information and make your life a little little easier than to like going to walmart and looking at the flashlight aisle no uh, completely and in in fact i think that usn was one of the main reasons why i took this step towards striders because i was on the i was in the market for getting a really good knife uh, that I carried that was sturdy, that had a, a, like a laundry list of characteristics. And I went on there and asked the question, and I got 20 enthusiasts who were like, you should try this, you should try that, you should try this. And I, I just went down their lists, you know, and, and, and said, okay, which one meets my criteria? Um, and they were all, one thing I noticed is they were all in a certain price category. You know what I mean? Like they, it, it was the serious enthusiast but not like to the level of crazy hobby collector who's like collecting a knife that he'll never open for you know eight thousand dollars or something this is like if you use a knife every day and you think it's important enough to get a good knife these are my recommendations and um you know it was really helpful yep um yeah so you know, I will put all this stuff in the show notes. Are you or we won't? Whatever. Well, I have them all collected. So <laughs> <Why not>? okay, <laughs> I, I did some preparation no actually. Yeah, there's. A, um, I noticed there's a shaving kit. Uh. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like, where where 
where are you going to draw the line? You, do you have snap-on tools? Do you like are the tools that you put in your garage like top-notch, or are they the Home Depot whatever? Whatever this works, it's a it's a crescent wrench that will work, and my job isn't being a plumber, so I don't need like the world's best crescent no, that's wrench. The, that is that's the point where I'm at now, though. Like I'm uh, so uh, the the story, the ever continuing story of me building a table in my barn. Um, I decided if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to do it with just a couple crappy like You're a miter so box or something. Screwed, dude, <laughs> I did the same thing. I have a nice router. Yep, I got a nice router, and, and you just you just end up going down into this rabbit oh, hole I was in of it. ballooning expense, yep. never ending. Um, chasing of quality and well, I guess like. Uh, feature set because there, there's some there are some absolutely ridiculously amazing tools out there, but you're still gonna have to learn how to make a table. Yeah, I, so I think I got to the point where I said this is where. So I didn't get top top of the line, but I got ones that it was a name brand I knew that you know I've seen on forums that they have a lot of um, reliability. You know that so so I didn't go for the cheapest like just buy a cheapy thing, um, so I got fairly good name brand tools and they've been great like they've been rock solid awesome which is com- you know compared to what I used to do which is just like I need a saber saw I'm gonna buy the cheapest saber saw I can I only gonna use it I'm only gonna use it once um, I can't foresee myself using it that often so I don't need a great one and then you know it'll break. <laughs> like within a year. Um, so I got decent quality stuff and it's been holding up. Now, what I did was since I was building the table instead of buying one and we were saving so much money on that, I kind of included that in the price of the table that I was building. Oh, okay. You know, gotcha. And it, so yeah, I did the same I did the same thing. I'm building bookcases and that will save us <laughs> thousands of it's dollars. Terrifyingly so therefore, <laughs> therefore I can buy like have you ever up to eight thousand um, dollars of tools? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever gone into like a rockler shop? No. Woodworking shop? No. It's kind of like um I don't know if it's a franchise or not, but pretty high end stuff, but you can buy really kind of like rare wood, small pieces okay. and do like your own it's it's for people that like are at that cusp between I'm a professional carpenter or I just like to think I yeah, am. Yeah, we have a few of those uh, around here too. Yeah, but they have um like you go in there. You can buy – take a look at Festool. Festool. F-E-S-T-O-O-L. It's a line of tools that like – they're really incredible tools, but they are very expensive. And they all kind of like go together. They're meant for you to have like their vacuum system and hook everything up to that. And, well, okay. Um, so then – Super well made, but like they're – just their orbital sander is like $350. Oh, God. Well, look at Blickman tools for homebrewing. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, I Which actually I don't. I don't think I own any Blickman. I have one piece now. I got it because, and it had a very specific. So, for those of you who don't brew beer, Blickman is a guy who um, makes. So basically, if you were to poll a hundred home brewers and say, if you were to make the perfect burner, what would it look like? Like, list all the perfect qualities of a burner that you would like to have. And then he makes that thing, basically, out of really good uh, quality, uh, you know, metals and everything. So I had, and the reason why I bought that 
even though it was expensive, is I bought like a $30 burner, which you use the burner when you're making beer to boil five gallons of five to 10 gallons of liquid. And so the faster you can make something boil, which is the slowest part of making beer, the more efficient brewer you're going to be. Um, so um, it used to take me about an hour using this burner to get five gallons up to boiling temperature. Um, and it was, you know, it was making the brew days go really long. So I decided um, it would be worth the expense because it's like this time versus money thing to buy a Blickman burner. And now it takes 15 minutes to do the same thing. So since you have several sequences of boiling water or heating water up, you know, I'm saving sometimes three also, hours. If you have to maintain temperature yes, um, for a long period of time or, you know, there, there's lots of reasons to have a good burner. But you can make the same argument for why don't you have a conical fermenter? Yes, you could. Um, you can make the same, you can make that argument for like everything in your life. Yes, you can. That you could save some time, some effort, or just frankly enjoy it more. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Right. So how much are you paying for the enjoyment? So uh, I'll, I'll give you a quick rundown of my everyday carry. Cause it's pretty boring. Okay. Perfect. Um, but then I have a, have a, a serious question for okay. you. Um, so I carry like the Gerber knife, right? Uh, I carry my iPhone, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now it has like the Apple iPhone case for the iPhone six. Yep, same here. Um, I have the field notes wallet. For my for my actual wallet, because it carries a field notes. But the goal there was like I wanted to carry a notepad. I could easily do that without a wallet. But I also wanted to carry less of a wallet. Mm-hmm. Like I only wanted self restriction in a way. Like I can only put three cards in this wallet. Mm-hmm. So I only have a bank card, a credit card, and my ID. Um, and that's it. And I can't jam it full of other junk. Yeah, I actually mentioned my. I have a small wallet. That's the same thing. Three cards. Yeah, and, so, and that's it. I can put receipts in it during the day, but then I pretty much have to empty it at the end of the day because it's not really meant to hold stuff. So that's been working out great. I really like it. It's made out of leather. It fits that space pin. Um, So I always have a nice pin, but, you know, that's kind of it. I actually don't carry a keychain because I got annoyed by the keys dangling from my um, car ignition before I got a new car that didn't have. Oh, nice. Like, you know, now has like the push button start. <clears throat> but then I got to the point where, well, I didn't have to have my car key out. Yep. So I just keep it in my pocket all the time. So I didn't really need a keychain anymore. So I kind of got rid of the keychain concept altogether. Nice. Nothing. I'm like, don't carry that at all. Um, and then one that's going to seem weird, but sticks out to me was something that I like was really focused on was my wedding ring. Mm. Um, because I got a tungsten wedding ring. Okay. When I got married. Um, Is that heavy? It's it is heavy-ish, but the thing about tungsten is it's, it doesn't scratch very easily at all. In fact, I have one single scratch on this wedding ring after well, I think I've been married ten years now, something like that. Should probably, don't probably yeah. Should probably know yeah, that. I was gonna say. Con- conveniently, my wife and I both forget our anniversary, right, that so is convenient. <clears throat> it just just works out. Uh, but I have one scratch, and that scratch was caused by hitting it with a saw while I was working on bookcases. Oh, my God. So, but it's a tiny scratch. I mean, seriously, I've done, like, I've worked with rock and bricks and done all kinds of stuff with this ring. It doesn't have a single scratch on it. That's crazy. Uh, but tungsten is one of those things. Like, you have to know know about it. You have to kind of be fixated on, like, I want this this thing. Um, it has its own drawbacks. Like if something ever happens to my finger, they won't be able to cut the ring off. Oh my God. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a good um, point. 
How would they get that I've off? Been, then? I was warned by the jeweler when I when I got the what ring. What would they do? They cut your finger off. <laughs> like that's I've been told <clears throat> that rock climbers won't wear tungsten rings or anything like that because because you, you know. oh, I know a guy. This is a gruesome <clears throat> story, but he was <laughs> maybe maybe we should skip it because okay. <laughs> We're getting off okay. onto like really weird. Tales. Yeah, we should. Uh, we should yeah. actually talk about a sponsor, too. Oh, do we have a sponsor? Yeah, we have a sponsor. Well, we always have a. We, we always have, have a sponsor. Same, it's the same sponsor every week. We forget to mention it. Sometimes it pays us. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, usually, Ever. usually the latter. Uh, yeah. And that is Tap Seller. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess everybody who listens probably knows about that. But uh, if you don't, it's um, it's a good beer app, and you should buy it. Yeah, well, <laughs> full disclosure, we made it. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, we we don't do sponsors. I, I don't know. We haven't really thought about it, but we're too lazy. And who who would want to sponsor the show? Ex- honestly? Exactly. So we we sponsor our, we sponsor all the work ourselves by uh, you know taking taking the money that we get out of tap seller and using it for like advancing tap seller and doing the podcast. Exactly, so, buying beers. Um, yeah. So if if you're into something that isn't a social network and you just want to kind of like log your beers, check it out. It, it, I think we're entering this like really interesting time where nerds get everything they want. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're getting like some great like plain text editors. Oh yeah. Um just like this, these all these crazy nerdy, super nerdy categories like comic book apps. Yep, that are just incredible. Um, I have to do a show on that because I'm I'm curious to hear what your favorites are. But, but it's, it's awesome, and I'm hoping we're entering a new era of like beer apps where like there's been some really I think pretty good beer apps coming out. Like I, I think Beer Tab was a nice one. Even uh, even I'm I'm not a fan of apps that are like social networky kind of like follow me and I don't pay anything and you just use my data however profits you but there are some interesting apps out there that do a good job just not my thing yep um so anyways, yeah it's but, the same thing and I think also um you know as I've been using this thing every day for for a long time it actually is I'm finding it useful in a lot of ways I didn't expect it to um I forget a lot more of what I drink than I thought I did you know, <laughs> uh, the nice thing about forgetting is you don't remember that you forgot. Yeah, um, and so you know, we we go to a lot of places where there's a lot of opportunities to try different things and whatever. And there have been times lately now that now that I've got this app where I'll go to somebody's house and they're like, "Hey, have you ever tried, you know, so and so beer?" And you know, now I've got yeah, I tried it here. Here's a note that I'd made about it. I liked it. You know. I don't know. It, I guess there's, you can look. I have three bottles in my cellar. Yeah, <laughs> and I forgot about it. Um, it's, it's nice um, to have that. And it's also nice to kind of, yeah, as, I, as I'm building up more and more of a history, to, uh, to know all the things I've tried. I mean, it's, I really enjoy sampling now you know, sampling stuff. I'll, and it's, it's made me much more of a grazer. And we've talked about that before, as far as our beer tastes go. Um, I'll definitely go into a, into a pub now. And if they have three or four things I've never tried, whereas I used to go for my tried and true, I know that's good. I'm going to order it. I'll try a few tasters of, of this and that just to say, okay, well, I'm trying to build up a better picture of what my tastes are. And I think tap is good for doing that. Yeah. Um, 
you know, my wife's even using it to track what she likes to drink. So, um, no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way. It's, it's not so much like <clears throat> I like to try a lot of different stuff. I'm more of a bottle person than a going out to the bar kind of person. Mm-hmm. So the thing with bottles are that you usually commit to a lot more of it. Mm-hmm. It's true. Because you buy a six pack or whatever. So I don't want to like have a beer that I didn't actually like that much that I just forgot that I had. Um, I don't want to buy a six pack of it. Yep. So I'm pretty pretty careful now when I buy bottles. So I I will look to see like what I've had, what I thought of it, look up that brewery to see what I thought of all their other stuff. Um, and it, to me, it matters more like what I think about it, honestly. Yeah, I think that <laughs> to me, ego, ego, egotistical, I kind of don't care what everybody else thinks about the beer. And I think that's actually where it comes down to for me is I, it, it does sound kind of egotistical, but at the same time, like it, beer, it tastes is subjective. So, you know, to me to see that it got a, you know, five stars on this site or a 98 on that site. I mean, you can use that to kind of check what you think about it, but I generally don't do it before I have something to see quote unquote, if I'll like it or not. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, cause, because a lot of times some of those highly rated beers are just not my thing and I don't like them. Well, take, take for me, go into this, this place that like literally three or four different people recommended the Shandy to me, mm-hmm. like, and talked about it. Like it was amazing. So that local population, <laughs> that one little area would give that a 98. <laughs> I gave it, a D. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it was pretty bad. Yeah, well, you're not a big sour fan. Yeah. Right? So, so if you go yeah, to... A, we need to do some shows about beers that we actually disagree yeah, on. Yeah, so. I agree. I, I, like, I should try and find a really good Guse or, you know, like a, a Lambic or something. One of the ones that I don't think you'll like and, and, and make you drink I like it Lambic, on the show. so that's, that's probably... Right, bummer. I mean, good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I got, I got a question for okay. you. Actually, let me round it out. So the other everyday carry... And I know this probably is not, uh, like outside the unspoken rules. Is I carry a leather bag back and forth to work every day. Okay, I carry a saddleback, um, like huge twenty pound. Is that the one you wrote the review about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love the bag, but it was one of these things. Like I had gone through a bunch of bags that were really annoying, and the la- very last bag I had was like the way it was made was it kept tipping over. And I was on, boy, I think I was on a plane, and it tipped over, and all my stuff spilled oh, out man. of the bag. And at that point, I was just like, I am so fed up of crummy bags. So I asked my wife, please, just make one thing for Christmas, this bag. Oh, and the, you it's not cho- cheap you, at you all. chose Hundreds of dollars. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, it's hundreds of dollars for this leather bag. In fact, everything they make is pretty pricey, but it's all, like, handmade, the, like, highest quality leather you can imagine um and it it's fantastic but it's yeah it's definitely a fetish object for something that i think there was a time when we just assumed bags lasted you forever no you're right or belts lasted you forever right that kind of stuff was just like that's how it it was made and that's how much it cost to get a new new one yeah, it's funny right? as i i carry a mission workshop bike messenger bag which is really nicely made. It's waterproof. It has, I've been using it to go back and forth to work, to trips to New York. Like I use it, I just go everywhere with it um, if I need a bag. And it's been fantastic, but it was not cheap. But again, it not a stitch is out of place on it in three years, you know? So, I mean, and the belt, funny that you mentioned the belt. The belt I'm wearing is actually um, 
probably from that time period. It's like an old leather belt that was bought from a thrift shop. It just mm-hmm. lasts. It's just but like a real solid yeah. Like yeah. leather belt that at the time was like no one thought that's an expensive belt. They just thought belts cost money, <laughs> cost a lot of money. Yep. And uh, to get a good belt costs a good amount of money. Yep. And it's it's great. It says Breaker Breaker 1-9, come back at me. It's got a CB radio on it. So that gives you a sense of the period it, of time. Does it have a guy with a big foot no. that says keep on trucking? <laughs> no, it has, a, it has a really nerdy look picture of a CB radio with little uh, lightning bolts coming out of it. Mm, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, well, nice, <laughs> right word. Um, so in, anyways, I, so I became a big fan of the Saddleback Leather Company. So I have their bag. I have like a pin case, like carrier for them. I, have, I wear their belt because it was like, I know if I buy a belt from this company – like literally that belt will be part of my like parcel of stuff when I die yep. that will be handed down to everybody. Like here's your dad's belt. Yeah. Here's your dad's bag. Um, that's just the way it's going to be. Whereas, you know, this flashlight, seriously doubt my flashlight. Will be, <laughs> well, you never know. Still be around, but it will be a really awesome flashlight until it dies. It, it's funny. Um, yeah. That whole pass it down and out, outliving your stuff was really interesting. I saw a video on Patagonia's website. They did a whole thing of people who had their gear that just lasted forever and they never want to replace it. So, you know, people have like, you know, mountain climbers with like duct tape patches all over their coat and stuff like that. It was really cool video pieces that they put together of interviews with these folks. But it that's kind of embodying what I'm talking about here is like, this the 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 down coat that I have for the winter, I used to just get the cheapest. You know, go to Target and get a cheapie yep, every year. Yeah, buy a new coat. Yeah, because yeah. The, it would be falling apart. Like stuffing would be coming out of it by yeah. the end of the year. Where the stuffing would all be in the bottom yeah, edge of the jacket. Exactly, and this thing is incredible quality. You know, it's like, uh, and so. And kind of what you do with your bag is once I got the first thing, I'm like, this is fantastic. Like, I never knew that wearing a coat was was this good, you know, because I never had a good one. And so it inspired me to, A, because they had great customer service, and B, because their stuff is really high quality and well-made, and they they support it and they stand behind it, I ended up buying a bunch more of their stuff, Patagonia stuff. Um, and it is like an order of magnitude more expensive than a target or something like that, but it really, it kind you can't say it pays for itself, but in some ways it does. Like I used to have a relative who would go to the Walmart or whatever, kind of based on the last conversation we had, who he would buy the cheapest fan they made. And then he would buy another one the next summer and another one the next summer. And when I would say, Oh, I paid 50 bucks for this fan. He would lose it. Like, what are you a <laughs> moron? Why would you spend that much? And I'm like, You've spent that much in three years on three fans. I bought yeah. one fan. Like pe- some people just don't think yeah. that way though, you know? Well, or you could look at it like, well, you know, he deferred his payments over yeah. year, over <laughs> several years yeah. and you put it all up front. With um, the expectation is, that it would last, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Different, different risks associated with, with that. Exactly. And I think um, there are certain times when I won't. So go back to the earlier part of the conversation. There are times when I will say, Take the corkscrew idea. I don't open that much wine. All I need is something that is basically the most basic functionality to open a bottle of wine. It doesn't have to be a great one, but 
if I need, you know, a beer bottle opener that I want to have forever, then I'll spend more for it. So, you know, you pick and choose your battles for what you want to spend your money on because everybody has limited resources, obviously. Um, and, you know, the stuff, the reason why I put so much kind of concentration on the things that I carry around every day is because I carry it around every day, you know, like I use it all the time. Um, I use this folding knife. I don't know how many times a day I use it, but I use it all the time. Um, so it's nice to have, uh, you know, that consistency, you know, and I, I, I love it. So here's my question for you. Are there times when you're embarrassed by your, by your, uh, the things you've purchased? I would, how much they, how much they cost or, how much attention they get from you and before you make a purchase or anything like that. Like, have you ever, have you ever told somebody about your $450 knife and been like, this is, I'm going to be embarrassed saying this. I, I would say, um, right after I bought it, I was like, I can't believe I spent this much on a knife. Yeah. And, but the other day somebody asked me how much it was and they, their jaw dropped, but I didn't care because it's, it if it was something that I actually okay so here's the thing if I had spent four hundred fifty dollars on it and it was sitting in a sock drawer somewhere I would have felt bad but be how about, have you ever have you ever bought a uh, shun knife for your kitchen no like the super high end kitchen knives we do have high end kitchen knives though yeah yeah was tough. okay so shun shun was a I don't know it's a, it's a it's a brand of made by a company called Kai I think something like that. Okay. They're fairly high end. Like each knife is probably three hundred dollars. Wow. Um, I mean, some are like a hundred or two hundred, or based on what they are. They're extremely nice, usually of some type of Asian styling. Um, and I had have one um, that I paid too much for, <laughs> but it was. It, I actually do have regret about it, and I was embarrassed telling people about it. And I have regret because. Um, the, like the tip got chipped Oh man! and I could send it in and they would probably repair it, but I'd go through this whole process of like getting a, like a shipment authorization and all this kind of stuff. They are absolutely beautiful looking knives. They are showpiece knives, but I ended up buying relatively cheap knives from Amazon Hmm. that are hold an edge. Great. Really well weighted. And they, they're just great kitchen knives and cheap, like 15, 20 bucks. Really? Yeah. Um, and I, I actually really act, prefer them when I go to my drawer. I almost never take out that shun knife. Interesting. Do you take, not take it out because of the regret, because of the chip? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because I'm a little like, why did I buy the stupid knife? Like, it wasn't that great. Yeah, I ended up getting, um, my wife does a ton of cooking. She loves cooking. And so I ended up buying her a really nice chef's knife. Now, I think really knife nice in this context is probably around two hundred dollars. Um, but she loves it. She used it, and it made a huge difference in how much she enjoys cooking because it held it edge for so long, and it's incredibly sharp. The other thing that we didn't really touch on, we can probably talk about it in another show, which is maintaining your good stuff. Like once you yeah. spent your money on this, like I think it changes how you treat your stuff to some degree. I, oh, I'll put it in the I'll put it in the show yeah. notes, but it was a Victorinox. Okay, like pretty pretty cheap, like maybe it's forty dollars. I don't know, but in the grand scheme of things, with a three hundred dollar knife, yeah. it 
it's cheap. But I mean, I, I've learned how to sharpen knives really well, yep. you know, so maintaining the things that you spend all that money on, I think, becomes a big deal. Um, and that's another thing that I think we've lost kind of societally is, you know, <laughs> knives dull, because throw the knife out. It every, every year, <laughs> exactly, what difference is it right? Make? You don't have to treat it nicely. Yep. Yeah, maybe it's a rebellion. Um, Could be like a like a turn back the intellectual clock. rebellion against you know crummy stuff. It is people tend to be much more impressed by things that were made in the you know the good old days. Well, I think it also means that um, my thought is now that I've spent this much on a knife, I don't really need to think about buying another knife. You know, and it's kind of like a way for you will maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> I'm not going to say no, but you will, you totally will. It's it's an addiction. But, you know, down the road, I think you know you're you know if you buy something good, it means that you're not like I'm not researching winter coats anymore. I have a really good winter coat. No, true. I'm I'm yeah. done thinking about. It. I have an awesome wallet. I don't have to think about wallets anymore. It's funny. Yeah. I went through this period of time where I did this voracious research on EDC. And I picked the best piece of each one of the, you know, the, the kind of the, the flashlight, the best, the one that suited me best, the best, you know, um, knife, the best keychain, whatever. And now I don't do that research anymore. And it's not because I've lost interest, but it's because I don't need those things anymore. I've got yeah. them. I got the good ones. Fair enough. You know, so it's yeah. kind of nice. Um, so what, what are you thinking about uh, Lucky Bass Art? Uh, lucky, lu- lucky Bastard. Um, it's... It. I'm actually. It looks up. like it's spelled right now, so I don't know if that means anything. <laughs> um, it's really good. I actually think this is so. It's funny. The color on this is so so brown. It's different than compared to like what you would expect from an IPA. Yeah. Um, I don't know which one of the the arrogant bastards it imparts that. I think brown it's the oak, it, but, but I do think arrogant bastard is dark too. It's it's a very brownish red. And now all the malt is coming out. So it's tasting a lot more like a brown ale to me now. Yeah, and, I, and the, for me, for some reason, the hops are giving it this almost perfumed characteristic. I, I don't know, like a, like, I don't know how to describe it other than perfumed or like a lavender, almost floral taste to it. It's really good. It's, it's, it's close to room temperature for me now. Yeah, um, minus two. Here. So I would say room temperature. Like this is this is a beer you don't want chilled much at all. No, and it it gets better as it warms up. I like it. Yeah. This is also one of those ones that they say uh, drink fresh. Yeah, it actually says also spelled wrong. Don't cellar. Yeah, along the. Uh, we'll talk about that some other yeah, time. That but, sounds good. Um, yeah. Thanks for the beer. Good stuff. Man. Yeah. Thanks for drinking it. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye.